Welcome to Indie Book Talk, where we explore the expanding universe of indie books. We are talking to Gibran Graham, the owner of the Briar Patch Bookshop in Bangor, Maine. We are going to talk to him about what bookstores are doing during these challenging pandemic times that we are facing right now. Gibran, I've been I've been following you on Facebook. I've been seeing some of the things you do, but tell me when all this started. What did you think? What did you? What was your first response? Uh, well, I would say my first response was, "How are we going to do this?" It it was, it was pretty fast and furious when stuff started coming down the pike. You know, in March, I first have to I, I have to commend not just bookstores but the book industry as a whole. I have never been prouder to be a part of this industry than I have these last you know nine ten months because. What I've seen from my peers, other bookstore owners, booksellers, publishers, authors, um, has just been so amazing, um, as well as customers and the support that I know that I've seen, you know, personally for our store um, throughout this time has just been so incredible. But everybody has had a, you know, a real different experience while we've been sort of also experiencing some of the same thing, and that is that it's been you know, it's been really, really hard. And not just, you know, for bookstores, obviously, but for any, you know, business and um, for any person. It, it's not been easy. We have been very fortunate at the Briar Patch that we have not had to discontinue operating completely at any point since this all started. That's great. We have been able to maintain some level of business throughout. And that's not the case with so many other bookstores. We we know, unfortunately, so many bookstores that have either closed permanently, closed temporarily, been afflicted with exposure, um, it's been really tough. But what I've seen with all of us doing is this, this incredible ability to pivot. How we are doing business has been something that so many of us have communicated to each other from coast to coast, booksellers and bookstore owners that don't even know each other really, talking online, sharing tips about how we're doing things to figure out how we can continue to be in business as best we can, how we can survive through this. And that's been, it, as challenging as it is, it's been really great to be part of that community. So what are some of the things that you've done to have done differently throughout all this time that have helped you? So prior to March, we had very limited e-commerce ability for our store. We had sort of, and we still do, have a, a sort of a small side site that we have up that's affiliated with Square for uh, some pre-order titles and some spot titles, you know, signed copies, but it's not very robust. It doesn't, you know, connect to our inventory. It doesn't show everything that we have, etc. This year, an organization came to fruition called bookshop.org. Um, which is a nonprofit. It works with independent booksellers to create um, an online alternative to that big A in the sky. I was going to ask you about that because yeah. I just recently heard about that myself. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily the, the right thing for every bookstore. Some bookstores already have a very robust online presence that way, and so they should continue to do that. But when you don't have that, 
um, which we didn't. Our ability to create our own bookshop page and have any sales that go through our page support us was an amazing development to be able to um, put in place and mark, you know, really at the, the drop of a dime. Um, it's just so great. And that really opened up a lot of potential revenue for the store to continue while we had to stop having customers in the store. And that's sort of what happened. To give you that quick timeline, we went from being open to having to close the store's doors to customers coming inside and only doing phone orders to being able to do curbside where either people are driving up to some 15 minute spots that the city put up in front of our store and deliver books to people in their automobiles or to a walk-up table at our door. That was fantastic. Getting that support from the city was great. And then as things progressively got worse, our type of retail needed to not be able to do curbside. And so there's this real quick blip where we're like, uh-oh, how do we do this? And we reached out to the state and we applied to be considered essential, which let's be honest, there are certain essential businesses that are, they are capital E essential, you know, and I don't mean businesses necessarily, but hospitals, grocers and things like that. I mean, all those types of, of activities, they are capital E essential. But one thing that we were finding was that families, especially with young kids, school was all up in the air, libraries were closed, People were trying to school at home. People needed materials for learning, materials for reading, and they couldn't really get them anywhere else. And I'll be honest, we weren't hurt by the fact that for a few months there, that big A in the sky decided to downplay the need to stock books. Really? Independent bookstores for like a brief period were really some of the only places that you online could get books because Amazon was deciding that they were gonna only uh, center on you know, essential needs, which on one level, you know, I gotta say that that's good. People do need these things, but it also provided us with the opportunity to say, hey, we're here, we can get books for you, for your kids. You need activity workbooks, school, math, English, whatever subject you need, we are here. And that was a game changer for us too. So. We use the fact that we were doing that to apply to the state to be considered, you know, essential for families to be able to keep their kids learning. It took a couple of tries, and I know some bookstores, at least even in Maine, did not get the go-ahead, but we did finally get a letter that said we were essential to be able to continue doing curbside, and thank goodness for that. So do you think it helped because don't you also carry, uh, like, activities for kids in your store as well? Do you think that was a deciding factor? We have some non-book non um, items for kids, you know, whether it's, you know, developmental learning um, toys, games, puzzles, things like that as well. And all of that was just in at the front of everybody's mind of trying to have something because let's be honest, a lot of parents who all of a sudden had schools that went into lockdown were like, what do we do? How do we... I'm, I don't school my children at home right now. What do I, what do I need? So we were there for them. That was important. And ultimately, independent bookstores are essential because at a time when we were all scared and confused and not sure what was going to happen next, you at least knew that there were stories and people who cared enough to find you the right one 
And I think that makes a huge difference in terms of people's mental health and their own ability to kind of get through is knowing that they were not alone in this. And the Briar Patch was always there and always open and always posting and saying, we're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you. Thank you. And that, that's, that's what we were trying to do. You know, I mean, I obviously I'm trying to run a business and I'm trying to look after my employees and the bottom line and make sure that we're here when all this is over. And, and none of that is easy. But at the same time, I, I'm also very aware of trying to be there for our community. And parents pulling their hair out, you know, it's sort of like, how else can we help them? So we started doing, we started doing virtual story times three times a week. People were so excited to, you know, have a break, you know, you know, not that they just want to put their kids in front of a computer all the time, you know, but it was like, here were some familiar faces, you know, we, we know that we had, you know, regular customers and kids that we were always, you know, seeing in the store, watch our, our, our story times on, on Facebook and, and when we're doing them live, they would chat back and forth with us, send us pictures of their kids, you know, dressing up with us. I mean, I was always trying to wear a different funny hat each time and just keep it exciting and fun for everybody. And this is also one of the ways that parts of the other industry really helped out. I mean, almost all the major publishers reached out and said, listen, there's copyright issues and we're going to suspend the the need for us to enforce any of those things. Just let us know that you're using your our books for your story times and you, you know, here's our rules for doing that. We want you to be able to do that. We know you need our books to be able to connect with families out there and the kids. So that was really great that we could work with publishers to quote unquote legally, you know, read this material in a way that people were viewing it almost a commercial manner. I mean, we weren't selling the story time, you know, but it, it, copyright is copyright and that does belong with the publisher or the author and the illustrator. So. That was a really great move to be able to have that that synergy with them. Are you doing any kind of online events for adults at all? Yeah, I mean, reading so, alone has been during all of this, but you know, I, the online events are keeping me busy too. <laughs> absolutely, you know, it, it took us a while to figure out how we do online events outside of just you know me reading a book. <laughs> And I actually hired um, a, a friend of mine and another person in the industry who owns a, um, a pop-up bookstore who lives now in Wisconsin, who has a lot of great experience. And I reached out and, and said, I, I need to hire a, an online events person because I, I want to be able to do this. And I think we've got some great ideas and we have an audience, I think, that would really appreciate it. But I, I don't have the capacity to also do it all myself because everything takes like four times the amount of work that it used to. And of course, we're also already so tired from this pandemic. Um, and- uh, There's yeah. always technical issues. Right. So, <laughs> um, so I hired um, Brejero Fabian, um, who became my events director. And and she has helped bring to the table so many great events, both kids and adults, um, that we are, are now offering online. And uh, you know we've been reaching out to publishers, trying to find other potential great events. We just had um, last week, two great adult events one with the uh, the writing duo that writes under the name Kit Roca, who did um, a, a fantastic in conversation event uh, with themselves <laughs> um, about their new book that is the first of the Mercenary Librarians dystopian romance series. Like, ladies, you need what? to read this book. That? Yes. <laughs> this Shelly is all over this. Mercenary Librarian, yes. Um, and then we also had this great um, author event with two authors from different sides of 
of the Atlantic Ocean. It was Lynn Trust, who many people know wrote Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, the great book on grammar, who also is writing Cozy Mysteries. And so she had a new mystery out, um, and she's in England. And so we had her in conversation with Maine cozy mystery author, Barbara Ross. And it was just fabulous. So we had people from all over the country. That's the thing with virtual events is that you're not just getting your local customers. You know, if you're reaching out the right way, you're bringing in people from all over who are interested in hearing from these authors and going to these events. Um, And we try to be able to do that with free events as much as possible. So that brings up a thing I'm wondering about once all this is done. I mean, I've been introduced to a whole bunch of fantastic indie stores around the country and around the world, actually, um, offering like training and events that I would never have heard of before all this because it was only local activities that they were doing. And I'm hoping, and I hope you do as well, will you still be offering some of these afterwards for people that aren't in your local area that still want to have this kind of global you know, get together? Look, the world has changed, right? I mean, we have had to pivot and figure out new ways of doing things, whatever it is, you know, living, (laughs) business, whatever, you know. Um, And I think there's so many things that we are doing differently now that hopefully one day we don't have to, and hopefully that day is soon. But I think that we're learning that some of these things we want to keep doing. So I think that you will see virtual events like this maybe not stay at the level that we have to do them now because there isn't the option of having in-person events. But I think you will still see a good number of virtual events continue. I mean, it just, it does open the world up. We've had authors involved with events that we are doing who never would have come to Bangor, Maine because maybe we're just, you know, we're not on that five city tour or, you know, whatever else. And the ability to be able to bring those authors here virtually and to our audience and more is so great. I don't think what I'm seeing from publishers is that they would like to see that continue on some level. There's certainly less overhead, obviously, no travel, you know. <laughs> so I, I think you will see that continue. And hopefully we'll also see, you know, more curbside pickup. For those of us that don't want to have to go through crowds anyways in a store, you know, um, you know, that's been another thing that I think people really enjoy too. Oh yeah. I mean, let's take the best out of this when it's all done. Let's, let's find a way to move forward with it. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm still looking forward to in-person events again. I cannot wait <laughs> to stand in the briar patch and have it be filled with people spilling out onto the street and, and read a book out loud like that. I just can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It is. You know, we just recently, it was a long time coming. We have opened up to appointment browsing and we did this. We tested it just before Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving weekend, we launched it and people can book browsing appointments with us online. You know, we've got a book now button on our Instagram and Facebook and they, they, they prepay $25 towards their purchase to book their half hour browsing appointment. And it's like a private time in the bookstore with me and Abby. <laughs> and uh, I mean, maybe some people don't think that's so great. But, that. um, <laughs> but we've had people come <laughs> in and like, the first thing they do, they stand there and they're almost in shock. They're like, I'm in the bookstore again. And they just, you know, can't believe they want to breathe it in. You know, we had a couple people say, you know, I, I would, I would pay to just have a half hour where I can just curl up and take a nap in the bookstore. <laughs> 
And maybe that's a new non-traditional revenue source we may want to explore. Um, but um, it, it's been so great to have people in the store again in a, in a very safe and, you know, measured manner. You know, we have um, a lot of space in between the appointments so that we can clean and do, clean all the high touch areas, et cetera, um, and maintain a very, you know, good, healthy level in here. Some of those first customers that came in here also brought their kids and those were the first kids that were in this store in nine months. Oh. Let me tell you, friends, there were tears. Abby and I had, had emotions. I mean, it was something. Aww. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'd have been crying too. You well, gotta get me started. <laughs> hopefully we have we have more to smile about soon. I'm really happy that independent bookstores are are still thriving through this and and will be there for us on the other end. Um, I encourage every reader, every listener to go buy a book from an indie bookstore. You, you might get it faster from the other guy, but you don't get the love. So go support that independent bookstore and make sure they're there for us so that we can have, you know, nap appointments. <laughs> um, I think we're going to wrap up here. Any last minute pieces you want to add? Uh, you know, just, um, all things that we're all going through, just um, it, it's hard, but we're all having a hard time. So have some patience, especially, you know, here we are in the holidays and, you know, uh, everybody, you know, needs things at the last minute and you're not necessarily going to be able to get all that, but try to reach out locally. If you can get something local, your community is better for it. Talk is brought to you by Imperative Press Books, a Maine-based indie publishing house owned by Emma G. Rose. We help indie authors find their fan base and share their stories.